Let's look here in 1 Kings chapter 19 tonight, and we'll look beginning in verse number 19, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. If you're able, would you stand for a moment out of respect to the Word of God? The Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him, and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, and then will I, fall, I will follow thee. He said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? He returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the in instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and Elijah and, and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Father, I pray you'd help me tonight. Lord, you know my limitations. You know my faults. You know my failures. But Lord, yet you've seen fit tonight to allow me to stand behind this sacred desk and preach the word of God. And I pray, Lord, tonight that the word of God, as it goes forth, Lord, it would fall on open ears and open hearts, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we begin this look at the life of Elijah, that, Lord, we would be stirred, challenged, Lord, motivated, Lord, to try to be the type of child of God like Elisha was that makes a difference on this generation. Lord, all the Elijahs, Lord, seemingly are gone. And, Lord, we need some men, women, boys and girls who are willing to stand in their place. And I pray tonight you might burden someone's heart, Lord, that they might stand forward and say that they'd be willing to be the one Lord, that would stand in the room of those that have left us, Lord, here on earth. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I'll say this. God uses different types of people for different types of ministries. Everyone believe that? Um, I know as long as Brother Tyker and Brother David, Brother Mike has been in ministry, you've known preachers. And they, their personalities, that they, where they, where they pastored, where they ministered, they were made for that. And if maybe if they were to pastor here, they wouldn't ever be able to. But they were made for there. There's some preachers that God made to pastor large congregations, and there's some he he made to pastor inner city churches and then country churches. And so I want to say this: Elisha and Elijah. Are two opposite men. They there's not they don't have much in common as far as their background, as far as their upbringing, and even as far as their ministry. But but the truth is, if we're not careful, we get caught up in all those personalities and all those uh, that those things, and we and that's not what matters. What matters is is a person doing God's will for their life, and and God used both of them. He used, I wrote this, God uses different types of people for different types of ministries, but all for the same purpose, His glory. At the end of Elijah's life, God received glory. And throughout his life, and at the end, of, and, and Elisha is the same. Now, I want to preach tonight, kind of a way of introduction on Elisha, a prophet of grace. Now, I thank God for grace, don't you? Elijah was a prophet of judgment. Elijah was a prophet of judgment. Uh, when he, in fact, if you study the miracles of Elijah, most of them uh, involved death or doom and judgment. 
when you look at Elisha, his miracles, they, they, were, they revolved around deliverance and restoration. One is a type of the law, Elijah. One is the type of grace. Now, I want you to know tonight, there, there is um, uh, a, a teaching that's popular. There's a fancy word for it called antinomianism. Is that it, Brother Mike? That's a fancy word, ain't it? It's anti-law, against the law. And, 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 these, and these preachers say that they're always bashing the law, always talking. But I want you to know what the Bible says about the law. The Bible says the law is good. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that the law is our schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. Who brings us to Elisha? Who brought us to Elisha? Elijah. Elisha now is a type of Jesus Christ. His name means God is salvation. Uh, in fact, Elisha and Joshua, if you look at the Hebrew word, they've got a different prefix, but they've got the same root word. And we know that the New Testament equivalent to Joshua is the name Jesus. Now, again, Elijah, a prophet of judgment, but it's needed. You understand? It's needed. Judgment is needed. Uh, what did Paul say? If the law had not entered, he said, I would not have known sin. And I thank God for preachers preaching the law to me and preaching me under conviction. And, 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 and Elijah, God using to bring judgment. Now, uh, uh, Elijah is remembered for his strong words. How long halt ye between two opinions? Elijah is known for his strong words. Elisha is remembered for his stunning miracles. Jesus, what did they say? What manner of man is this? So there's a lots of ways. Now, uh, Elijah um, was his, the primary work of Elijah was to protest against the evils of man. Amen. That's what he done. And by the way, we need Elijah's today. Yeah. We need Elijah's. And don't get mad at me if I preach against sin. Don't. Even if you're guilty of it, don't get mad at me. Amen. Amen. Don't. I mean, thank you. We need more of it. We need to. Sin has become so. It's become. The lines have been blurred so much in this world. And right has been called wrong for so long. And wrong has been called right for so long that people really now don't even know if there is right and wrong. And Elijah came out of nowhere and looked Ahab and all of Israel in the eye and said, you're wrong for what you're doing. You're sinning. And because of your sin, God's going to judge you. First message you ever preached, no rain. Judgment. But thank God for grace. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was full, he was full of grace and truth. And I believe if we're going to be well-balanced believers, we got to have both. But, but, but for the sake of what we're talking about now, we're going to be talking about Elisha, a prophet of grace. And I thank the Lord for his grace. We're saved by grace. Amen. The Bible says the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared unto all men. I thank God for that. Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 5, 20, where more were law entered, that sin might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Elisha brought grace. And listen, Israel did not deserve grace. Think about what they had done. 
They had, they had rejected the ministry of Elijah. I mean, they had seen Mount Carmel. They had, they had heard, they had seen, they had seen the miracles, the rain, all that had taken place. And yet they still were a nation that were uh, uh, apostatizing, that were turned against God. And listen, if, if they got what they deserved, God never would have sent anybody else to them. But God sent another man to work and to minister to them in Israel. Now, Elisha tonight, for the sake of this message, I want us to look at these verses we read. And I want to look at Elisha here. He is a type in these verses of three different people. Three types of people. He's an example, if you would. The first, and I've, made, I've alluded to it already, but Elisha is a type of the Lord. I want to say this tonight. Every believer should desire to be a type of Jesus Christ. The word type uh, that we use, you hear people preach about type. It comes from a word, Brother Mike, write this down. Tupos, tupos. And, and what it means is, T-U-P-O-S. And what it means, I'm trying to help Brother Mike. He knows all them words. I'm not sure he don't. But, but, but if you look up that word, tup, a type, tup, it means the, the print or the mark left by a nail or a hammer. It means it's a mark. It's a mark. It's, it's, it's an impression that something, if there was a hole in that wall, you understand? That would be an impression. Something did that. It didn't just, now these kids would say, it just, I, I was standing there and the wall just fell in. I don't know what happened. But you know better that there was something that touched that wall. And when I say we're to be a type of Christ, what did Paul tell Timothy? He said, be thou an example of the believer. You know what the word example there, it, it comes from that word too type, too post. We're to be a type of Christ. What do you mean? I'm saying this. We should want to live our life in such a way that everybody can see the mark that Jesus has made in our life. When they see us and when, they, when they're around us and when, they're, uh, when they have company with us, whether it be at home or at work or wherever it is, we should want the Lord to make such an impression on us that we make an impression on them. I wrote this down. The success of our life is going to be judged by our likeness to Christ. It's not going to be, we're not going to be judged. How much like Christ did we become? And by the way, it is God which worketh in you by the will and of his good pleasure. And, and, and he which has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. What's the work God's doing in us? He is working in us. He's working on us. He's working for us to make us more like Jesus Christ. He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Elisha is a type of Christ. He is, a, he is a picture of Jesus Christ. And when we're gone, we should want to leave our lives as a type of what, who Jesus is and what Jesus done. <laughs> now, think about this. Elisha was preceded by Elijah. Elijah is like John the Baptist. In fact, in, in the Old Testament, he is referred to as Elijah. John the Baptist was referred to as Elijah. Elias must come. Jesus said, he has come. He has come. Amen. You see, Elijah was a wilderness man. He, he, he was out in the wilderness, and that's where John the Baptist was. Out there, and the Bible says he was preparing the way of the Lord. 
And that's the way Elijah was. Elijah was a rough man. I mean, like John the Baptist. I mean, he wasn't, he had no polish about him. He was just, I mean, he was raw bone. I mean, he was just leather long, straight, look you in the eye. I mean, there, there was no tact to him. And that's exactly how John the Baptist was. He said, you generation of vipers. That's what he told them. <laughs> Amen. He said, the, the ax is laid to the root of the problem. He cried to them, said, repent. Amen. He said, get right with God. Turn back to God. You're not, and that's who John, the Bible says John was a voice crying in the wilderness. And that's what John did. He made way for Jesus Christ. He made the mountains flat, amen, the crooked places straight. He prepared Israel for the coming of the Messiah. And I believe in some ways that our job is to be the same, is to help prepare people, to talk to people, uh, to, to help people get to Jesus Christ. I thought about this. How is he a type of the Lord? Now, I'm, I'm going to be quick. Y'all follow me, and I, I promise you I'm going to be fast. The first way I thought is in his consecration. You say, what do you mean? 29 times Elisha is called a man of God more than any other person in the Word of God. Now, let me help the preachers in the room and anybody that may one day be a preacher. No preacher in the Bible ever called themselves a man of God. And it makes me sick, these preachers, that got an honorary doctorate. You know, honorary doctorate means it ain't worth the paper it was wrote on. And, and they say, I, I'm doctor so-and-so. Doctor so-and-so. And then they say, I am a man of God. Now listen, I believe, and y'all know this, and y'all do this more than any church. Y'all honor and respect, and, but, but the truth is, this idea of preachers going around saying, I'm a man of God, I'm, that ain't the way it goes. Paul called, oh, thou man of God. Paul called Timothy a man of God. This is not some self-given title that Elisha gave himself. This is a title that God gave him. Why would he be called a man of God? What does that mean when they called him a man of God, a man of God? What they were speaking of was his likeness to God. He, he reminded them of God. He told them about God. He, he was a reflection of God. Amen? And so that speaks of his consecration. He was a man of God. He was pure. He was holy. He lived right. He did right. I mean, he walked the line. He was a godly man. That reminds me of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not a man of God. He was the man of God. Amen. Jesus was the man of God. Amen. I mean, the second Adam. Not a Adam, but the second Adam. And, and so his consecration, Elisha was a man of God. Not only that, his country. Look at verse 16 quickly. It says, Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Mehola. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's the way I pronounce it. I heard somebody call Winder, Georgia. It's Winder, Georgia. They call it Winder, Georgia. I call it Winder, good. But Abel Mehola. You say, Brother Mark, what's that mean? I'm glad you asked. It means the valley of music or dance or celebration. You say, Brother Mark, how's this like Jesus? Well, he's like Jesus in his consecration, but he's also like Jesus, girls. He's also like Jesus in his country or his origin, where he come from. 
You see, where Elisha come from, it was a place of celebration. Where Elisha come come from was a place of joy. Where Elisha come from, it was a place of dancing. It was a place of, of, of happiness. It was a place uh, of where, where, where people were in an in a, in a attitude or in a, in a mode of, of, of celebration. And let me tell you where Jesus come from. He come from a place of celebration. Amen. He come from a place of joy. Listen to me now. In heaven, there's no frowning. I promise you. There's no tears. We know that. There's no sorrow. It's a place of celebration. It's a place of rejoicing. And that's where Elisha come from. Jesus did not come from down here. He come from up there. He was sent by God from there down to here. And think about the joy he brought with him. Amen. Uh, think about the melody he brought with him. Uh, just think if he had not come. If he was not born. If he had not lived here in this world. Uh, think about the sorrow uh, and the despair that would still plague this world. But thank God he come from another country. His country. Think about this. His congregation. You see what you mean? Well, I mentioned Elijah was primarily a minister. He preached out in the wilderness. Elisha was a street preacher. He lived in the city. He lived among the people. He witnessed to the people. He preached to the people. He helped people. That's what he was a people's person, if you would. He was always, every one of his miracles is tied to a person. It's tied to somebody who was in a time of need. Somebody who was in a time of despair. Somebody who was at the brink of giving up. Somebody who had lost it all. Somebody who was going down. Somebody who had a broken heart. He's always, his congregation was people who had broken hearts and, and broken lives and people who had homes that were falling apart, had lives that had broken apart. And everywhere Elisha went, he was trying to help people who nobody else could help. He was trying to touch people that nobody else would touch. And that's just like Jesus. He didn't come down here and hide somewhere. He didn't come down here and sit in some lofty palace where we never but he came down and lived among men. Amen. And he lived as a man. But he lived for man. And everywhere you find him, he's touching somebody with a problem. He's helping somebody with a need. Whether it's a widow's son in a coffin going to the graveyard. He couldn't let him go. He, and he reached out and touched the boy's coffin and he come out alive. Maybe it's at the pool of Bethesda where all the cripples and the lames and the handicaps hang out. He went down there and, and listened and touched them. I'm just saying, whether it's at Lazarus's grave, he just couldn't stand it. He had to show up and do something about it. His congregation. I thought about this. He's a type of the Lord in, in his cost. You say, what do you mean? We, we read it right here. Elisha was a rich man. Twelve yoke of ox. He was well off. But he was rich. Became poor. So that others could be made rich. Does that remind you of somebody? You see, if you've always been broke, being broke really ain't that bad. But for someone who is rich to voluntarily become poor so that somebody else might become rich, you say, what's that? Listen, I'm going to tell you what that is. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. That's the grace of the Lord. And by the way, 
If it was my children, I'd do it well. And, and, I mean, if it, I'd do it for, and, and I believe there's plenty, but it wasn't for his friends. It wasn't for a righteous man. It wasn't for a just man. It was for his enemies. Now, everybody in here has probably got somebody who don't like you. Some of us have got more than others. Don't look at me like that. But imagine this. Imagine the person who, who maybe you've tried to make things right. You've tried to, and it just won't. You understand, like I said, you've tried as much as possible to live peacefully. It just imagine that one that has maybe hurt you the most, that one that has mistreated you the most, that one has taken advantage of you the most, that person that has run you down the most, and I mean just they've done nothing but hurt you and take advantage of you and mistreat you. Imagine becoming a beggar so they could be rich. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. And Elisha, Elisha said, you can have all 12 yoke. I don't need them no more. He said, I don't need them no more because I'm not going to, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm giving it all up. Amen. I'm giving it all up. He said, I'm leaving it all behind. He, he became poor. And because he was willing to become poor, and we're going to read about it in the days to come, there were many that were made rich. There were many that received help. There were many uh, that had their lives saved. There's many who had their health restored. There's many because one man was willing to become, who was rich and was willing to become poor, they all became rich. And I've got news, if you're saved tonight, the reason you're saved is because 2,000 years ago, the king of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, he emptied himself of his glory. He, he poured it all out according to Philippians chapter 2 and took upon himself at the form of a servant, the form of a slave, a form of a bond slave and come down here and walk down the dusty roads of this world so we can be rich tonight. Amen. If you're saved tonight, you're richer than anybody in Graves County. I'm talking about monetary. I don't care. I, I, I mean, I work for a few people that got more money than they'll ever spend. But I promise you tonight, they may have more money than I got, but they ain't got more Jesus than I have. And they ain't got more grace than I have. Amen. And it's all because one man was willing to become poor for us. He's a type of the Lord. He's a type of the lost, though. You say, Brother Martin, and that contradicting? No. You see, it's like looking at a picture. It depends on what angle. If you look at it from this angle, you'll see Elisha, before Elijah shows up, he's a picture of a lost man. You say, what do you mean? Well, think about this. Elisha's toil. He was plowing with 12 yoke of ox. That's hard work. You know what the Bible says? The way of a transgressor is hard. You know, I mentioned that Abel, me, we're all raw, whatever it is, that sound... You know, I mentioned that, what, but you know what it's known for? Hard, rocky ground. And so before Elisha and Elijah have this meeting, before their paths cross, before that mantle is cast upon him, he's plugging along, toiling and laboring and working and sweating. And, and that's a picture of the sinner. And by the way, he wasn't working for himself. He was working for, another, for his father. He was working for someone else's benefit, for someone else's profit, for somebody else's well-being. And that is a, a type, if you would. Did you know what his, it says is he was the son of Shaphat? You know what Shaphat means? 
judge or judgment. You know, you heard of Jehoshaphat? That means God is judge. Shaphat means judge. He was living under judgment. Before we got saved, that's what we were doing. Under judgment. Under, under judgment. And there he is. The, I think about the toil of Elisha's toil. And then I think about Elisha's touch. I, I, I'm not going, but you know what happened? Elijah come by. And by the way, it, it didn't start with Elijah. It didn't start with Elisha. It started with God. Yeah. The first time he's mentioned, he was mentioned by God. <laughs> oh my, before Elijah knew who Elisha was, before Elisha knew who Elijah was, before either one of them knew anything about either one else, God knew about Elisha. He saw him out there hooking up them 12 yoke. And by the way, when he got up on this day, he had no idea that this was going to be the greatest day of his life. He thought he was going out there to plow ground. He thought he was going out there to turn dirt. But what he didn't realize was God's about to turn him. Amen. God was about to flip him over. Amen. God was about to use him and change his life. I don't know how you, when you got saved, but I didn't go to church to get saved. The night I got saved, I really didn't. I, it wasn't some planned out thing. But I know that night I got her such, I went to church to make my mom happy, to be honest with you. But I know that night God turned me around. He turned me upside down. And listen, it was all because, did you know what that mantle, when Elijah threw that mantle on him, you know what that mantle was? When he did that, when a man cast his mantle on another man, it was, a, it was symbolic of adoption. When Elijah left, remember what Elijah said? He said, my father, my father. Amen. You see, before you were saved, you had a coat, and it was your own righteousness. And the Bible said it was like filthy rags. I, I, and, and, and it reeked of sin, it reeked of evil, it reeked of wrongdoing. But when you got saved, the Lord put another coat. He didn't put, and by the way, Elijah did not put another coat on Elisha. He put his own coat on Elisha. Amen. Brother David, when, when the day you got saved, the Lord, he didn't take one of Gabriel's coats. He didn't take one of Michael the archangel's coat. He didn't take John the Baptist's coat. He didn't take Peter's coat. He took the coat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the righteousness of Christ, it's what, what covers us and, what's, and that's what allows us to be called the sons of God. Amen. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You see, when he threw that mantle, amen, Elijah was laying claim to Elisha. Amen. He, what he was telling him is, if you'll come with me, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll, I'll take responsibility for you. I'll become the one that answers for you. And did you know when you got saved, that's exactly what Jesus did for you. You don't have to answer God for yourself. Jesus will answer God for you. Amen. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, these things around you that you sin not, but if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what's the big deal? The big deal is this. Jesus speaks for us. He's our advocate. 
Anyway, there's a lot I could say. Elisha's touch, Elisha's test. What was the test? Elijah did not put handcuffs on Elijah and drag him away from mom and dad. He simply threw that coat, that mantle, and Elisha knew exactly what it meant. And he said, let me go home and kiss my mother and my father. And Elijah said, what's that to me? He said, what have I done to you? What he was saying is, this ain't between me and you. This is between you and him. Because remember, God's the one told him to go up there and find him. And what was the test? Here was the test every sinner has to take before they get saved. Are you going to go with them or are you going to go with him? That's what he had to decide. And he went home and he got old Bessie by the ear. And he got old Bob. Sorry, Brother Bob. No, not Bob. He got old, what's a good bell cow name? Lee, uh, Cletus. Jared. Yeah, got old Jared by the ear. No, I didn't say donkey. I said cow. But he got, got old Cletus by the ear. He got old Bessie by the ear. And he walked out there. And he took his knife and he cut their throat. He took that, uh, that, that plow and began to break it in pieces. And, and I mean, everybody knew. They said, man, he's lost his mind. So he got too hot out there, and, and, and he built a fire, and he cooked them two oxen, and he began to feed the neighbors. He said, I just want, and by the way, he didn't do that for himself. He did it for them. He wanted them to know he was not coming back. He wanted them to know this was it. He wanted them to know that this was not an experiment. By the way, you don't get saved experimentally. You don't get exposed. You don't try, well, I guess I'll try Jesus. I've tried everything else. That's not how it works. Jesus is not some, some specimen in a, what do they call them things in chemistry? What do they call that? Where they put those? No. Yeah. He ain't that, you know, in y'all kids' chemistry, you got them little things, they put germs in there, and you look out. That Jesus ain't some experiment. You don't. He's, it's not like you can take him home and examine him and, and check him out. And it, it's not like it ain't like buying a a, a a vacuum cleaner that says thirty days money back guaranteed. It ain't. You don't get to take him and try him and see if you like him. That's not how it works. When you, if you want to be saved, you have to decide them or him, here or there, this or that. I mean, that's what he had to decide. Test. He's a type of the lost. He's a type of the Lord. He's a type of the laborer. You say, what do you mean? The Bible says in verse 21, he ministered unto him. The word minister is just another way of saying he served him. God initiated his calling. It began with the Lord. I want you to know tonight it's an honor for any of us to be used of the Lord to do anything. And if you're saved tonight, listen to me, I'm almost done. If you're saved Make no mistake about it. It's God's perfect will for you to serve Him. God initiated this. The explanation is called in verse 16. He says, God said He's going to take your place. He's saying, Elijah, you're going to be gone soon. Somebody's got to stand in your place. It breaks my heart to think about all the vacant room in the work of God. You know... Who is going to fill, who's going to stand in that room? He said, you, God explained, this is why I'm calling him to take your place. And by the way, everyone, let me help you. The work of God is bigger than any one individual. God's work goes on. 
The location was calling. Where did God call him? Was it in a palace? Was it in a seminary? Was it in a college? Was it in a, was it in a, a place? Uh, where, where was it? He called him in a field. What was he doing? He was plowing. Amen. He was, he was, you know what Elisha was doing? He was doing the task at hand. And, and you know what Peter and the disciples were doing when Jesus called them? They were fishing. You know what Matthew was doing? Collecting taxes. You know what Luke was doing? Taking somebody's temperature. He was a doctor. No, actually Luke was, but yeah. You know what I'm trying to say is everybody wants that, you understand, everybody wants that spotlight. Everybody, but you know who God calls? He calls people who are busy where they're at. The humiliation of his calling. Now listen, think about this. In 2 Kings 3, 1, said he, he washed, he poured water on Elijah's hands. That was the worst job you could have. It was a servant's job. And he didn't do it for a week. He didn't do it for a month. But for 10 years, he was anointed to be a prophet. He was called to be a prophet. He, I mean, there was no denying this fact that this man was I mean, he was the real deal. God himself said he's going to take a life. And for 10 years, he humbled himself and ministered in the shadows. And, and, and that's where all, Bible says, he that is faithful and little, the Lord will make ruler over much. Every one of us in this church, that's a part of this church, has got a job we can do. Probably got about five we can do or, or more. But the problem is we... Do not like washing somebody else's hands. But I believe, if you'll, and I could, I could elaborate, but I'm not going to. If you want to get the, the postscript to this sermon, call me. I'll tell you. But the part of the reason he got a double portion was for this washing, because for ten years, listen, he was a servant of Elijah. What does the servant do? He does what his master will ask of him. But when Elijah got ready to leave, what did Elijah say to Elisha? What can I do for you? Think about that. In all them days, washing that man's hand, all them days of carrying his Bibles around, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. All them days of going out there and doing the, and, and thinking, man, God said I was going to be a prophet. I ain't prophesied yet. He didn't, he didn't work one miracle for 10 years. He didn't preach one message, Drew, for 10 years. He didn't, nobody knew who Elisha was. They said, that's that guy following Elijah around, a little bald-headed preacher following Elijah around. We don't know who he is. But for 10 years, he kept being faithful, and he kept ministering and ministering and ministering. And when it got time for Elijah to go, he had been helping that man, helping that man serve. And Elijah said, all right, Elisha, you've been, you've been doing what I've asked all these years. What do you want me to do for you? And God did something supernatural for him. You know, that's the way we should serve the Lord. It shouldn't matter to any of us where God wants us to serve or how God wants us to serve or when God wants us to serve. It's all in God's hands. And we should trust him. And, and, and if he allows us to do anything. When, when, when I first surrendered to preach, first place I ever preached away from Harmony Street was at Wahoo Baptist, where Brother Mark was the pastor. He'd only been there like three months. And uh, he was awful brave to have me come preach my like, fourth sermon there. But anyway, there was a gentleman in his church. 
And he lived to be almost 100 years old. And I can't remember how long it was, but Brother David, every service, that man, he had a big glass, and it was a certain glass. You say, how do you know that glass is important? Because I was preaching there another time, and I knocked it over and broke it. Yeah, that was a bad day. You want to talk about the air going out of the service? It went out. It was gone. I, I felt so bad, I could have got down and eat that glass. But, but that man, he never sang. I never seen him do anything. This is what he done. He come in, and he had that thing. I'm talking about he put plastic wrap so nobody be sticking their fingers in it. And, and he, took that, he took that job, I'm talking about, serious. And you know what I believe tonight? He's in heaven, and I believe from now throughout all eternity, he's going to be reaping, reaping blessings for every cup of water he ever sat on that, that pulpit. And tonight, all of us, it might be just one of these kids just patting them on the head and saying, I'm, I'm happy you're here. It might be tying their shoe. You say, well, they don't know how to tie their shoe. Y'all just be glad. They're just glad to have shoes. Because Jesus said, in so much as you've done unto one of these little, little ones, you've done it unto me. Next time one of these kids comes by and they need something, think about this. When you're doing something for them, just imagine you're doing it for Jesus. Literally. If Jesus come in with an untied shoe, I, 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 now y'all do what you want, but I'm, I'm going to knock whoever I got to knock down to try to get back there. I want to tie a shoe. If Jesus needed help, if Jesus needed someone to help him, if he come in, bro, attacker, I'd want to hug him. I'd want to love on him. I, I'd want to, I want to get down and kiss his feet. That's what I'd want to do. I'd, I'd want to just spend time talking to him. You say, well, we can't. Oh, you can. Just find you one of these little ones and, and love on them. And instead of looking at this and thinking about that, just think, I'm loving, this is just, I'm loving on Jesus. And that's exactly what Elisha did. You see, when he was ministering to Elijah, it wasn't necessarily Elijah he was ministering to, it was the Lord. And that's how we must serve the Lord.